Well, so I got a question for you on this Christmas Eve morning. I'm going to try not to keep you too long. What time is it? Okay, I see what time it is. God bless that. Uh, God bless that clock. I see that clock. I promise. I'll let you go. <laughs> Have you dropped enough hints to your family that you think you're going to get? I mean, just how confident are you that you're going to get what you want to get for Christmas this year? Come on. Come on. Show, show hands here. You heard about the little boy that wanted a watch for Christmas, and he dropped every hint he could think of in every creative way that he could think of it, and he finally ran out of innovative ways to drop the hint that he wanted to watch until he ran across to Scripture. <clears throat> and so uh, that night when they sat down for, for dinner, he made an announcement that he wanted to say the blessing. And he said, I want everybody to join hands, please, and bow your heads quietly. I want to reflect on a Scripture that's been on my heart before we pray the blessing tonight. Mark chapter 13, verse 37. I tell you now what I've told you before. Watch. <laughs> well, I don't know if your hints are going to pay off or not in terms of presence, but the truth of the matter is, I know that in spite of the presence and in spite of the music and the decorations and all the kind of stuff that, that kind of goes with this season, can you believe that it's still possible to miss Christmas? We've been in a series throughout the month of December that we've been calling a fresh look at Christmas, and we've been looking at some of the key characters. We've looked at Jesus, of course. We've looked at Joseph. We've looked at Mary. We've talked about some of these key characters who were there, who had very important roles in that first Christmas. But in the few minutes that I have with you this morning before we return to worship and song and lighting of our candles, I want to just reflect for a couple of minutes on some people that missed that first Christmas and see if maybe we can uh, avoid the mistakes that they made. You see, there were some key people there that missed the whole thing, happened right under their nose. The innkeeper's one of them. The innkeeper, you know, Joseph and Mary had gone down to uh, Bethlehem to get registered for the tax that was coming up, and, and when they got to the Jerusalem Hilton, there was no vacancy, and so they, the, the innkeeper said, sorry, I can't help you out, and everybody's overbooked because everybody's come to town, and and uh, so, surely you got a place somewhere, and you know the story. You saw Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, they wind out up in the, in the stable, in the, in the manger, and he, he's born in a little feeding trough. And, and the owner of the inn, as far as we know, missed the entire event. It happened right under his nose. Business is booming. He's making bucks. Christmas is happening right under his nose. Religious leaders of the day missed it. Do you know that there is no record of a single religious leader of the day showing up? at the manger? No record whatsoever. And there are plenty of them around Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem in those days was religion headquarters. I mean, that's, that's where all of them gathered. And so when the wise guys, I, I mean the wise men, oh, that preacher, that's sacrilegious to call them wise guys. Okay. When the wise men showed up and told Herod that they'd heard about a new king and there was a star in the sky and they wanted to find him, Herod called for the religious leaders to say, do you know anything about this? And you know what they said? They said, yeah, we, yeah, we've been looking for this guy for centuries, you know. Micah 5, 2, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. They knew all the prophecies. They knew all the stuff that would point to it. And they said, yeah, but they didn't show up. They didn't go. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's because they had their religious traditions that had become so important to them they stopped looking for Jesus. I don't know. But they missed it. Herod the king missed it. It's ironic that he was called the king of the Jews. He wasn't even a Jew. 
he was so paranoid about losing his throne that this is, I mean, this horrible guy, he was so afraid that people was after his throne that he had his mother killed, he had his brother-in-law killed, he had his wife killed, he had his two oldest sons killed, and then five days before he died, he had the rest of his sons killed, all because he thought they were going to take his throne. And just before he died, he had a whole bunch of prominent people in Jerusalem arrested and killed. And here's what he said. He said, nobody's going to mourn when I die, and I want somebody crying in the city when I die. I mean, if that's not a horrible person, I don't know what a horrible person is. So you can imagine when the wise guys, I mean the wise men, came and, uh, and said, there's a new king in town. I, it rocked his world. I mean, it was kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, he blew a gasket to the point that he ordered that all the boys under two, just to be sure, because not sure how long they've been looking for this child, let's just kill all the boys under two in town. Because he was so afraid he was going to lose his throne. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. History, it's kind of sad that those guys were right there on the first Christmas and they missed it, but what's that got to do with me? I'm here to tell you guys, I think the reasons they missed are just as alive and well today as they were then. I mean, the innkeeper missed that first Christmas because he was too busy. The religious leaders of the day missed it because they had their traditions and their religious rituals. They were indifferent. They didn't care. Herod missed it because he was afraid he might lose something if he recognized the Christ child. Anybody agree with me those things still exist? That there are people that are missing the reason for the season because they're too busy to pause or because they think they got it all going on, they don't really need Jesus in their lives, or maybe, maybe it's because they're afraid of what might happen if they really do pay attention to Jesus. I'm here to tell you guys that it's critical that we not miss Christmas in the midst of Christmas, that we not miss the point. So just a a few reflections this morning, maybe a slight challenge for you today on this Christmas Eve as we prepare to go out to all the activities of the day. My goal really is simple, and that is to make sure you don't miss Christmas this year, that you don't miss the essence of what it is. I've got a simple formula perhaps that'll help you. It'll help you to remember what to do, make sure that you do it. If you might remember when you were in school, when you were a kid and you were ready to cross the road, they taught you a three-part formula. You remember that one? They used to say, before you cross the road, see if you remember it. Say it with me if you do. Stop, look, and who said start running? Who said that? <laughs> stop, look, and listen. Simple little thing, right? Just stop, look, and listen. That's all I want to do this morning is I want to walk through those because those are important safety tips before you cross the road, but they're also important formula to make sure that you don't miss Christmas this year. So let's just walk through it quickly. <clears throat> See if we can get a handle on this thing. Make sure we don't miss Christmas in the process. First of all, stop. Make time for your spiritual life. You, you figured out that life is, is not a one-faceted thing. It's a multifaceted thing, right? That you have your, your physical life and your uh, relational life and your financial life and your, you know, your social life and your, your, all, your emotional life and your spiritual life. There's just all kinds of aspects to our lives that are in there. And the sad reality is an awful lot of people that have got a lot of those facets going on, but they're missing the most important one in the process, the spiritual life. I mean, we all know people who have their physical life in line, don't we? 
I mean, you know people, they, they eat right, they jog, they work out, they take their vitamins, they are in shape, and we hate them. <laughs> you know those people, right? Don't look at them, don't throw any elbows, but we know those kind of people, right? But we also know that for many of them, they are so focused on their physical life that their relationships are in a mess, Right? Because they got one part, but they don't have it all. Then there's others who've got their social life in full swing. Man, they are, they are the life of the party. In fact, the party doesn't start till they get there. Oh, man, we can start the party now because he has arrived. She is here. Everybody loves them. Everybody can't wait till they get there. They're having a great time, but they're paying for it with their health. Because life is one big party. Then there are other people, they got their financial lives lined up. I mean, they got their investments just right, and, and their net worth is going up every year. And, and, and you know, they're, they're moving closer and closer to the financial independence that they're striving for in life. And all the while, the family that they're supposedly doing all this for is getting left behind in the shuffle. Their life verse is Psalm 139, 6. People are like shadows moving about. All their work is for nothing. They collect things, but they don't know who will get them. You do know that hearses don't pull U-Hauls, right? You can't take it with you. Somebody, I mean, everything we got, we got it borrowed from the previous generation, and we're going to pass it on used to the next one. I mean, that's, that's the reality. And I'm not saying don't accumulate things. I'm just saying don't make that the basis for your life. All I'm saying, guys, is that you can get all this stuff lined up. You can get your physical life lined up, your social life, your financial life, and still be in a mess if you neglect your spiritual life. So what's the antidote? Psalm 46.10. Read it with me. It's on the screens. One, two, three, go. Be still and know that I am God. I suggested a couple of weeks ago that that God came to the shepherds, uh, sent the angelic choir to the shepherds, First, to tell them the good news because he knew that they would celebrate. I wonder if it could also be because uh, they were sitting around at night watching sheep sleep. If they were still enough to hear the voice of God. Let me say it this way. I have a feeling that God may well have been calling some of you for some time now, but he keeps getting a busy signal. And you wonder why you're not getting answers to your prayer. Simple truth is sometimes we have to stop, be still in order for God to work in us the way we need him to. The innkeeper missed because he was so busy, he was so succeeding so much that he had to put out a no vacancy sign. And some of us have put no vacancy signs on our hearts. I'm begging you not to make the same mistake the innkeeper make. Stop. Make time for Jesus Oh, well, Jim, you don't, you, don't, you don't understand my circumstances. You, you, you don't understand how, what's going on in my life and why I have to do all this stuff that I do. I, 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 you're right. I, I, I do understand, though, that we all have different amounts of time and different, or, of talents, different amounts of money and different uh, looks and all that kind of stuff. But we all have the same great equalizer. We all got 168 hours a week. That's what we got. So we all have to make the decision, what am I going to do with the time that God has blessed me with? And all I'm saying is you've got to stop once in a while and ask yourself, am I giving my one and only life to something that eternally matters? Am I making a difference? Is there a sense of 
purpose in the way I do life. In January, we're going to start a whole new series we're simply calling Ripple Effect, and we're going to be talking about how we set priorities. We're going to be challenging you to set some priorities in your life and creating this ripple effect across our lives and across the generations that we can make a real difference as a church, as individuals, as a family. For now, just hear me say these words. It may be cliche, but it's still true. If you are burning the candle at both ends, you may not be as bright as you think you are. Stop. Make time for your spiritual life. You ready to move on? Second one is look. Look honestly at who Jesus really is. Honestly investigate who Jesus really is. Matthew chapter 2, verse 8, Herod's talking to the wise men at this point who came looking for the new king, and what did he tell them to do? He said, go and make a careful search for the child. Now, his motives were not pure, but his advice is still good. Go and make a careful search for the child. I would say to you that if you're wise enough not to want to miss out on the real meaning of Christmas, that you'll not only just stop and reflect on the fact that I am a spiritual being that needs to address spiritual realities, you'll also stop and say, I need to know the reason behind all this stuff. His name is Jesus Christ. Let me just, let me just open a window into why I think it's critical that we do that. And just a little illustration that maybe help you with that. When Kim and I, I'm so glad to have Kim home for a few days uh, from Virginia. Uh, everybody say, hey, Miss Kim. <laughs> Wave at us, Kim. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, Soon after Kim and I were first married, we, we got a call to the Philippines. When we were kids, I was 28, she was 24. I mean, we were just kids. And uh, we went to an airport for the first time to fly out of the country. And we're sitting in an airport, I think it was in Detroit or Chicago or someplace, making a connecting flight. And I saw something I'd never seen before, and I was amazed by it. I just sat there as we waited for our flight. And if you've flown very much, you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, or you will. Uh, there's this huge hallway of people, and they're all kind of rushing, trying to get to their next flight, trying to get to their gate in time. And people are moving every which way. And right down the middle of this hall, there's this luggage cart right? That's coming along at a, snow, at a slow pace. It's got a, a yellow light that's turning on top. You've seen these guys? And it's going beep, 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 beep. You've seen that one? And he, just, he doesn't slow down. He doesn't vary his course. He just keeps going. And sometimes he's got some old folks. I, I'm looking forward to saying, I got white hair. Can I ride on that thing now? And, you know, uh, but but sometimes he's got old folks, sometimes he's got luggage, but he's just going right down the center aisle, and everybody, and I mean everybody, has to make a decision eventually about what they're going to do about the luggage cart that's coming. Track with me now. I want you to get this. Some will see him from a great distance and say, I'm going to move over here because I see the luggage cart coming. Others will say, well, he's coming, but I still got time. I'm going to keep on my course, and then I'll jump away in time. And others are so caught up in whatever's going on in their lives, they don't even notice the luggage cart until it's right upon them, and at the very last second, they leap out of the way. Are you tracking with me? Do your heads like this if you're tracking with me? Okay, right. I'm sitting here watching this dynamic go on. I'm watching this luggage cart go down this long hall, and I'm watching people move, and, and some just jump out of the way. And it hit me... Um, 
Jesus has been like that since the first Christmas. Across the generations, he never varies his message no matter what the culture says. He never changes direction no matter what the world would say it should be now. He's just across the generations, slowly, consistently moving through. And hear me, you can love him or you can hate him, but you cannot ignore him forever because he's coming. That's just reality. He's coming. And the reason I say you can't ignore him is not just because he existed. He did. He's a historical person. You can find him in Wikipedia. That tells you how important he was. I mean, <laughs> more importantly, you can, you can uh, go to the actual birthplace. You can, you can stand on the hill where he gave his Sermon on the Mount. You, you can go to the, to the courtyard where his trial took place. You can see those places because Jesus was in fact a historical figure that walked on earth. You can go to the hill where he was crucified. They're all real part of the historical record. But there are lots of historical figures that you can ignore. So that's not the reason we can't ignore him. It's not even because of Jesus' teachings. Even though most scholars, Christian and non, would tell you that his teachings were wonderful. They would say the teachings of Jesus were incredible. He talked all kinds of things about, about loving uh, your neighbor as yourself. He talked about taking care of the poor. He talked about uh, being, uh, the need for being honest and having integrity, about treating one another with integrity. I mean, all kinds of people across the centuries have admired his courage at confronting the hypocrites. They applaud his contribution to moral standards that have defined laws and moral codes for nations all over the world. I mean, his teachings are, are impeccable, but even then, that's, there are lots of good teachers we can ignore. That's not a reason not to ignore him. The reason you cannot ignore Jesus, the luggage card that's coming consistently, is not because he existed and not even because of his teachings. The reason you can't ignore him forever is because of, of, of what the Bible calls the, uh, the I am statements. You see, right in the middle of Jesus saying something wonderful about widows and orphans and how you ought to be taking care of them and how we ought to be setting captives free, right in the middle of all that, he would say, oh, by the way, you do know I'm God. He would say, you got that, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he would say. I mean, in John alone, seven times he said, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. Not a way. Not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Matthew's gospel, Peter said to him, thou art the Christ. You know what Jesus' response was? You're right, I am. I am the Messiah. In Mark's gospel, 1462, when he was on trial, Jesus was asked, are you the Son of God? And he simply said, I am. Oh boy, the high priest, when he got that response, tore his robes right in front of everybody. He made his choice about which side of the luggage cart he was going to jump out on in front of the world. But everybody 
everybody, look at somebody and say, everybody eventually has to choose. You can't not choose. Do do you hear the urgency in my voice? You can't ignore this choice forever because the luggage cart, Jesus, is coming. He just keeps coming. And I'm begging you today to not only stop and recognize that you are a spiritual being with a spiritual essence that has to be addressed or everything else falls apart. I'm begging you to look honestly at the person of Jesus Christ. Lots of people have refused to accept his claims, but billions of others have accepted him and they found forgiveness and help and hope and love and a second chance in life, and that's available to you. So I find myself wondering on this Christmas Eve, knowing that so many families would come together for a special day like this, I find myself wondering which choice have you made which category do you fall in with this luggage cart coming down the hall? Are you, are you saying, I got time, I'll deal with this later? Are you, are you saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and then eventually it's going to get there and you have to make a decision in that moment? You're just hoping against hope that at that moment you'll have time? I don't. Which choice have you made? Again, I'm not asking about your record of church attendance. I'm not asking whether you consider yourself a Christian. I'm asking you, Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you a worshiper of Jesus Christ? Have you come to the realization that he was not just a historical figure who actually lived, and he was not just a good teacher, but he is in fact God, and that one day we will all give an account of ourselves to him? He is your Savior and your constant companion. And if you're not sure, if you're not absolutely sure, then my challenge to you this morning is look honestly at who he is. Maybe you've seen that amber light coming down the hall, and you've heard the beep, beep, beep. I would beg you, don't let another Christmas pass without stopping, taking an honest look at who he is. And can I just throw in quickly that one of the things that I love about our church is that we love honest seekers here. Let's just be honest, guys. Don't mean to be critical, but let's be honest. You go to some churches and ask a question like, why should I believe the Bible is important? I mean, isn't that just a book written by men? And they will stare at you like you've got three heads or something. Around here we go, oh, man, let's talk. (laughs) We love the dangerous kinds of questions that seekers ask. You've got questions, we want to help you on your journey. That's what I love about this place. That's why we say you can belong before you believe. Come in, be a part of this thing. We accept you just the way you are because that's what Jesus does. And they will help you process through. Come on, that's right. That said, I don't want you to spend another Christmas without a personal relationship with him. Well, Jim, I got these doubts. I don't understand it all. You don't have to understand it all to benefit from it. You don't have to understand the internal workings of an of a com- internal combustion engine to go out and get in your car and drive home. You just got to know it works, Right? You don't have to understand the intricacies of electricity to enjoy turning on the lights. You just have to know it's going to happen when you hit the switch. 
You don't have to understand everything there is to know about Jesus and the Bible to come into relationship with him, but you do have to stop and say, I am a spiritual being. I have to address this thing, and you have to look honestly at who he is. Number three, I told you we weren't going to take a long time with this. Number three, you've got to listen. Listen. Don't be afraid of good news. Don't, don't be afraid of good news. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. That's the angelic host coming and telling the shepherds. And what's the first thing that the angels said to the shepherds? Hello, are you out there? He said, don't be afraid. Why did he say that first? Because I got to tell you, in my experience over the years, it's the number one hindrance that people have for coming to Jesus. There's just this real fear that comes up. I mean, what's going to happen to me? In fact, I usually hear it expressed in one of three ways. Well, you know, I would come to follow Jesus, but I'm going to lose my fun. Because, you know, after all, Jesus is the cosmic killjoy. He's the cosmic police officer that's come to hit me with a stick if I mess up. So I don't want that. Or I'm going to lose my freedom. Or I'm going to become a fanatic. Right? Come on. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, in terms of fun, you say, if I really give my life to Jesus, the party's over. It's time to call it a day. We just got this feeling, you know. Christianity is all about rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. I mean, right? Isn't that what it is? So if I really start living my life the way Jesus wants me to, then fun is over as we have known it. Can I tell you that the best fun there is on the planet is having a blast all evening and waking up the next morning without a hangover? Laughing and kidding around and having a blast with your friends and waking up the next day without a jealous husband chasing after you? Are you getting my point? Yeah, there's fun, and then there's fun. You see, sin can be fun. Hello, don't look at me like I've got three heads. Come on. Bible says sin can be fun, right? So what it says, sin's a blast. Come on, guys. If, if sin was a bummer, nobody would do it. Come on. So you sin, you get your kicks. But you always get your kickbacks. You see, there's always a consequence to the choice to not do life God's way. But when you do it his way, you set up a consequence of life and a consequence of blessing and a consequence of favor. And then there's freedom. This is kind of, boy, I'm going to be living in a straitjacket from now on. I got to tell you, if there was no such thing as heaven, I'd still be a Christian because this is the best life there is. This is the best life there is. And then, of course, there's always the people who say, well, you know, I know some people that call themselves Christians, and they're just, they're just weirdos. They're just neurotics. They're just loony bands. I mean, am I going to become like that? Some of you need to hear me say this. You need to hear me say it clearly. If you've gone to brunch, come back. 
Jesus did not come to make you weird. He came to give you life. Come on. (laughs) Well, I know some Christians that are weird. Yeah, but they were weird before they became Christians. (laughs) Jesus loved them anyway. What did he say? John 10, 10? I came to give rules, regulations, restrictions, rituals, bondage. Stop me when I get to the right word. I came to give life, life in all its fullness. So are there some things in your life that will change if you give your life to Jesus Christ? Well, of course there are. There's some things in your life that need to change. I've got some stuff in my life that need to change. I'm working on it. You're working on it. i got stuff. you got stuff. All God's children got stuff. The only reason you haven't changed some of it is because willpower is not enough to get you there. You need the power of Jesus in your life to help you break free from some of the junk that's killing you, and you know it's killing you. At the end of the day, guys, we all desperately need a Savior. I saw a Christmas card some time ago that I loved. It was a, a letter to Santa Claus. Dear Santa, there are three little boys in my house who live here. There is Jeffrey. He's two. There is David. He's four. There is Norman. He is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. Signed to Norman. (laughs) There ain't no Normans in the house today, right? Because all of us need a Savior. Which is why I love the classic Christmas card you may have seen. If our greatest need had been education, God would have sent an educator. If it had been technology, he would have sent a scientist. If it had been money, he would have sent an economist. If it had been pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So he sent a Savior. All I'm saying is that fear loses its grip when you understand what God came to do. He came to give you life. And that life in all its fullness. That's what Christmas is all about. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, come on, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For some of you, verse 17 is just as important. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to make you weird. He came to give you life. So as I close, the musicians make their way back to the stage. The only question I really have left for you this morning is... uh, Are you too busy or indifferent or scared to embrace the real reason for this season? His name is Jesus. If you are, then I beg you this Christmas Eve today to stop 
before this day is over, certainly before this year is over, ask yourself the question, where am I going in 2018? And will it take me to that place of fulfillment that I think it's going to? Look honestly at who Jesus is and recognize that He is coming and we all have to deal with that reality. Listen, open your heart, and hear His voice when He says to you, born to you this day, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you see us, you know us, you know who we are. You know where we are in our relationship with you. And I pray simply in the quietness of this moment that each one of us would ask ourselves that question, where am I going? Who's going to be at the center of that journey? And am I addressing the reality that I'm a spiritual being in need of a Savior? Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to keep you, but I can't let you go without giving you a chance to to pray a simple prayer with me on this Christmas Eve. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like this in the past. Maybe you never have. I don't know. I'm not concerned with before. I'm concerned with now and forward. Would you pray a prayer with me? Silently or aloud, but, but pray. In your own words is fine, but pray. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you came that first Christmas for me. I believe you came to live. I believe you came to give life. I believe you came to die in my place. And I accept what you did for me on the cross. Forgive me for my sins and give me a fresh start today. Let Christmas 2017 be the beginning of a whole new chapter. I'm not turning over a new life leaf. I'm getting a new life because of Jesus. Father, you know who's praying. You know what's going on in their minds right now. And I pray simply that you'd make yourself real to them in this moment. Let them know that you not only have heard their prayer, but forgiveness is theirs. If we will confess our sins, you will forgive, and you have. No matter what Satan says about being losers or liars or lost, they're all lies. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and it's ours. Thank you, Jesus.